Good morning. This is Pastor Dwayne, and we are so excited you have chosen to tune in uh, to our worship service here at Lewisport Baptist Church. Uh, we hope that this service is both exalting to Jesus and edifying to you. And so we pray that you will truly hear from the Lord today. LBC. Uh, well, we're delighted to have all of you. And as we begin a brand new series, it is an amazing uh, book that we're going to be walking through for many, many weeks, the book of Ephesians. Please turn there. And as you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, um, I hope you've had a good week of spring break. I know many of you have enjoyed traveling and you're back. And I know we enjoyed a great week of spring break. And we look forward to all that the Lord is going to do this morning through his word. Our identity in Christ. That's the new sermon series. Our identity. So many people, as we turn to Ephesians 1, are looking for purpose in this life. Teenagers are trying to measure up. Adults are trying to figure out where they belong. So many people are looking at sports stars and artists trying to measure up because culture demands and says, hey, you got to look this way. you got to do this or that. You've got to accomplish this by this age. And there's so much pressure with that. And so as we think about our identity, it's amazing what we're going to learn from uh, God's word. And so I want to start by praying, and then we're just going to walk verse by verse. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you and thank you for grace today. Thank you for love and grace in Jesus. And our identity, Lord, is always rooted in Christ and what you say we are and whose we are. We belong to you. And I pray, Father, that every person online and every person in this room would understand that and live differently because of it. As far as self-worth issues, identity issues, struggles in this life, Lord, we'll never measure up, I won't, to, to the world's view of success and what we should look like and how we should uh, be about life. But Father, may we live according to your written word. May we understand all that you've written to us is what we need to know about who we are in Christ how that changes everything. Lord, for those who've lost loved ones in our church, I, I pray a blessing over everyone. Miss Sherry Lasseline's mother, um, Nancy Griffin passed away, and I pray for... Lord. I pray also, Lord, for Carrie Eccles' mother, very sick. And, Father, I pray for little Hannah Nugent this morning. I pray you touch her body. And I pray, God, you'd grant healing to her body. Lord, again, as I open the word of God, would you nourish your church? Would you speak to all people concerning the good news of the gospel? That you come to give us life, abundant life. And Father, I pray that we would all be found in you. So Lord, I pray for the lost to be saved and the church to be motivated, encouraged, nourished by your word. To move ahead with the Great Commission, to make disciples of all the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's look at these verses together. The Apostle Paul writing to the faithful believers. Paul is imprisoned in prison, and it was on that second missionary journey, I believe, that he had his mission to Ephesus. But Paul, again, in prison, writing this letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints 
who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, Paul says grace to you. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy, blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the grace of the glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. It's a wonderful passage as we think about the Apostle Paul writing to these faithful believers. Definitely there were issues at Ephesus and Paul is encouraging them concerning their worth in Christ, their privileges in Christ, their inheritance in Christ. And you've got all kinds of theological words that are so rich in meaning. Now I'm not uh, like many scholars as they try to unpack these words and these doctrines. I mean there's been books written on the words I just read to use, but I'll do my very best. I do know as we think about Ephesus, this very large port city, even now this vast urban city in need of the Lord, that we need to pray for all those in that Asia area, missionaries even there, that God would give them boldness and encouragement as they share the Lord Jesus Christ. As I think about the context in which Paul wrote these words, talking about our worth in Jesus, the riches that we have in Christ, how we are children of God if we are born again, that is so significant for us. Sadly, people are living life finding identity in what people say about them. So here's how it goes. So many people are defined by what peers say about them. And you shouldn't do that. Adults get in that same trap of life. You know, it's dictated by what others say you are. Well, that's so wrong. You know, I'm sure people are sitting here this morning. I'm sure you're online and some of you, some person somewhere feels like a failure. You feel like a nobody. But in Jesus, you are somebody. And Paul says you have been set free, you belong to Jesus, and you have worth, you have worth because you're part of the family of God. Amen? And I love that. So if you feel worthless, you are worthy in Jesus. If you don't feel accepted in this life, you are accepted in the family of God. And until we reach glory, we're going to deal with sinfulness and people living in rebellion and a hostile culture, and we deal with all those things. That's why we have to make sure we are rooted in the Word of God and understand who we are and whose we are. Let me show you something. Look at at 1, 3 through 14. Actually, it's one long sentence. This is a, a dialogue, a section where Paul gets so excited about Jesus, he can't stop. He starts talking about doctrine and theology and all that the Lord has done for him and for all of us that he just can't stop. He's like the little boy that that, that, they said, do you know how to spell banana? (laughs) He said, I sure do, but I don't know when to quit. You'll get that at lunch, I promise. (laughs) And I think that's the way Paul is. He just starts. 
He don't know when to stop. He just talks about Jesus over and over. And oh, he gets so excited. He gets so carried away. Talks about being chosen and elected before the foundation of the world. Being called by God. Being predestined. Or God has a purpose to conform us into the image of Jesus. That we are adopted. We have redemption through his blood. Which he's lavished on us. We have this great inheritance in verse 11. So in the beginning of chapter 1 is grace. The grace of God has appeared in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he ends with glory. Two words you ought to write down. Grace and glory. We are saved for God's glory. We are saved sinners for the glory of God. That's why you begin in verse 3 with a verse of praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about your position. If you are a believer, you definitely have a position. What is our position in Christ? It occurs 11 times in the text. We are in Christ. Over and over, Paul is urging us to understand our identity. We live in a day when so many young people trying to find their way in this life, and sometimes we find it in hobbies, in sports, in peer groups, you name it. Many times we allow those people to define us. I remember growing up, I remember the deal. I mean, I go play basketball, and I was a little point guard, and I'm like, I stopped growing, I think, in the sixth grade. I don't know. But, I mean, I was hoping, man, I'd love to be seven foot like you. But I never arrived at that. Does that mean God can't use me? No, he's using me. We look differently. We have different talents and gifts. We have different aspirations, desires. But we ought to use it all for the glory of God wherever he places us. You know, understand your identity that we can be used all for his glory. I believe that's what Paul is getting at. All the blessings we have and the redemption we have been afforded is because of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.14 So we are irrevocably, organically joined to Christ by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. We are put into the body of believers. We're joined unto the Lord in spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We belong to him, and there's nothing as wonderful as that. We belong to Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8, 1. You are a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every person matters. You matter. If you don't feel like you matter, look at me. The Bible says you matter. I don't care what you've done, struggles, the background, your past, what you're going through now. If you're a child of God, you matter to God. He loves you with an everlasting love. We have all that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's quite an inheritance, all the privileges we enjoy. And we don't receive all of them now. And can you believe when we get to heaven, there's going to be quite the inheritance. A perfect heaven to praise the Lord for all of eternity. Here's the deal. Your position in Christ. The believer is in Christ and Christ is in the believer. That's John 15 language. So Paul's discussing, discussing worship in the first section here. He's saying we need to give God all the praise and glory who has blessed us, look at your Bible, with every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly places. Now, I'm not telling you that you're going to be blessed with this health and wealth, prosperity, false gospel that is in our culture. Okay, that's being preached and that's just plain wrong. It means all the blessings of Christ. Now, he can bless us however he wants to bless us. And God is good all the time. And he can bless us with material. And he can bless us with all the things that we have to be used all for his glory. But we're talking spiritual in this context. We're talking about spiritual blessings. In the beloved, which means in Christ Jesus. In the heavenly places. In Christ. So, what does this mean? Because of Christ's ascension is the means of introducing us into the heavenly places. The only way that we can have a relationship with God and spend eternity with God is because of Jesus Christ. I hope you understand that. Because of his death, his bloodshed, his resurrection from the grave. Colossians 1.20 and Ephesians 1.20 are good references to this point. When he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Do you realize you belong to Christ? And where Christ is, you'll be. That's, that's like, I mean, as Tony Evans would say, you have kingdom authority. You have blessings in the Lord. So here's the deal. As we live this life and we realize our position, this world is not our home. We're passing through it. And as we pass through it, we're to live for the glory of God. So let's just elevate Jesus. Let's celebrate Jesus from the first portion of the text. Because of Jesus, he is our high priest. He's interceding for us. He laid his life down for us. We go through Jesus, through his shed blood, to have a relationship with God. Our aim is heaven. Colossians 3.1. That's our aim. Now, I'm not saying we just lay back and wait until God calls our name to glory. But I'm saying our aim is to stand before God and say, Lord, I live for you. I made my life count. I, w I lived on mission for you. I realized my position. And I'm blessed. Now, how are we blessed? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places because of Jesus our aim is heaven, our inheritance that we have, 1 Peter 1, 4, and then our hope is the blessed coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he is coming again. So that's what it says in verse 3. Now let's look at verse 4. Now let me go ahead before I try to, try to teach you and preach on verse 4. Verse 4, I think, is like a walnut. It's hard to crack, but boy, it's good on the inside. It's hard to crack. These words, you know, scholars have debated and struggled for years. I'll try to share, shed some light. And so I'd like to phrase number three is, who are we? Who are we as believers? The Bible says, just as he chose us in him. So that word chose could translate the elected. So we are the elect of God. If you are part of the family of God, you are the chosen. And God knew in the very beginning of time his church because God knows all things. 
And so we are the chosen of God. He knew in the very beginning that's what the verse says. So these words chosen and predestined take many people back, but don't be scared off with these words. You shouldn't because they're in your Bible. We got to look at it and understand that, man, it's wonderful because we find worth in these words. We find identity in these words. We belong to God because of these words. 1 John 2, 1 through 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have this advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole, the whole world. I, I like to teach sovereignty and free will. I like to talk about God's sovereignty, that he is so in control of this world that, that I can rest in that. <laughs> I can rest knowing that Dwayne's not in control, God is. Amen? He is sovereign. He knows all. And only a sovereign God can allow for this free will that, that the word teaches in Romans chapter 10. As you look at sovereignty in Romans 9 and human responsibility in chapter 10. And God's choosing us, knowing his church in the very beginning of time. The Bible says in Romans 8, 29, those he foreknew, he predestined, predestination. The word predestined means he purposed beforehand to conform us to the image of his son. That's sanctification. You're growing more like Jesus. That's God's goal in the very beginning, before the foundation of the world. He knew my name. He knew you. Don't worry about what people say about you. There'll always be a critic. There'll always be somebody trying to climb that ladder to overwhelm you and do better than you. But you find identity in Jesus, what he says about you and what he's done for you. Can I get an amen to that? That should really shake the church up. That I mean something to God. He laid his life. He bled. He suffered for me. He knew my name. And he went to the cross for me and for you. Because he knew me in the very beginning, he allows me to choose him. Boy, that's a mystery, isn't it? I want to give you a verse, though. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The mystery of salvation. Some things are a mystery that we can't in our finite minds understand, but God knows how it all works. Charles Spurgeon is a good quote here from Charles Spurgeon. God certainly must have chosen me before I came into the world because he never would have chosen me afterward. We're sinners. It's not like God's going, God's going to select you over you because you're so good. Look, there's no good in me. It's not like you're because I'm prettier than you or better than you. It doesn't work that way. We're on a, literally, we all deserve hell. We all know that. I mean, we're sinners saved, and he gets into that. In Ephesians 2, we're sinners saved by the grace of God. It's nothing that, that I do to warrant God's grace upon me. He loves me by his grace and mercy and saves me by that same grace, whereby I choose him, I place that saving faith in him, and he saves and seals me. Now, when we're chosen, I want to make it very clear. 
I trust this does not mean that God has chosen one sinner above another. I don't believe that's it at all. Listen to this quote, God loves all sinners. You know, the Bible says it. God loves the world. What does this mean? It means that the church was in the heart and mind of God before all of creation. We are chosen of him. Think of our wonderful salvation. God thought it. Jesus bought it. The spirit wrought it. And it was all before this world came even into space. Even Jesus was crucified. The Bible says God knew all this before the foundation of the world. It does not mean that some are chosen to be lost. I don't want you to get all messed up with that because that's not true. God does not choose some people to go to hell. God desires all people to be saved. You need to know that. And that is found in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Do a Bible study with your family. You look at that verse. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Will all men be saved? No. Does God wish all men to be saved? Yes. That is why we take the good news of the gospel to all of creation because all people can be saved who trust in Jesus. That makes up his church. You got sovereignty and you got free will working. Let, let me read just a portion. This will help you in further Bible study. And again, as you do your own study, you've got your convictions, which I respect. The Baptist faith and message says this, election is the gracious purpose of God according to which he regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies sinners. It is consistent with the free agency of man. Okay? And it's really important. And comprehends all the means in connection with the end. It is the glorious display of God's sovereign goodness infinitely wise, holy, unchangeable. It excludes boasting, promotes humility. Do you see what Paul is telling us in this text? There's no boasting from Paul. He's saying, I realize I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> I realize I deserve hell. But on the road to Damascus, God revealed himself to Paul, and he was never the same. Anything like that happened to you? When you were saved, born again, you trusted Jesus Christ. He totally changed the mind, the heart, the will, bent towards his will. And so he's put us on this road to make disciples, to serve locally and globally, and that's what we ought to do. The key point from Paul, I think, he's affirming this mystery of salvation, but he's also affirming other attributes of God. You know, we see so much about God here. We see that God is perfectly loving in 4 and 5, sovereign in verse 5, gloriously gracious, 6 through 8, wise in verse 8. God can do whatever he pleases, Psalm 115.3, and it's always consistent with his character. So God is consistent and loving, and yes, he's so good all the time. God is good. He desires none should perish. And I want you to know this. If God is stirring your heart to salvation, he's convicted you of your sin. If you trust Jesus and call on, your, on his name, whoever you are, wherever you are, you will be saved. You need to know that. And that's the message. I don't claim to know how all this works. I'm just taking a stab at it this morning but it's glorious. It's good news. 
We're to preach the gospel to all of creation. That is why we serve the Lord at all that we're doing here at LBC. And, and what's the outcome? We're chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, the word holy, set apart for God's purposes. God is holy and he's called us to be holy. Check this out. Only in Christ we are holy positionally. It's not like your good works make you holy. You come into church uh, and we feel holier than thou. Well, no. We stand before God justified because of what Jesus did on Mount Calvary and Christ rising from the grave. That's what makes us holy when we trust in Jesus. We can stand before God because of Christ. In Christ, our blame then is removed and his righteousness is given to us. So God sees us holy. When he looks at you, he sees his son. Man. Blameless. He's predestined us. Wow, it's wonderful. What's that word mean, Brother D? It means we're chosen by God, adopted as children of God, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It's not saying that this man's going to heaven, this man's going to hell. I don't believe that. No. It's saying God predestined us, purposed for us, believers, to be like the Lord. For those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son that we would be the firstborn among the brothers. Wonderful words. You go down to adoption. We are adopted. We are spiritually born into the family of God. And that deals with our position in Christ. And so the word literally means to place as a son. We're legally adopted into the family of God. And that deals with our privilege in, in Christ. We're born into this sinful world on a highway to hell literally. We are sinful, deserving of a devil's hell. But God rescues us. Jesus Christ is the hero. <laughs> Not you. He's our hero. He's paid the price. He is the great substitute, the great exchange. He took your place on the tree that you might live forevermore. He defeated death by rising on the third day. And the power that lifted him on that third day is in us. Boy, that, that's good news. Y'all don't get excited. I'm going to shout to myself. I've told you that before. That should get you going. The power that lifted Jesus is the power that lives in me now. It's what Paul is telling us. That's why we, we live for the glory of God. We praise the glory of God. He knew my name before the foundation of the world. And because of this, I choose him. I trust him when I'm convicted of my sin. We're children of God. Great songs this morning about being part of the family of God. What does scripture tell us? That we'd be holy and blameless. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself. Which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That's talking about Jesus in verse 6. Jesus is the beloved son. You are accepted because you are in Christ. Jesus is called this beloved son. God the Father said, this is my beloved son. To say that you're accepted in the beloved simply means you are accepted in 
Christ. When God sees you, he does not really see you. He sees his son Jesus because you are in Jesus. I in you, you in me. Relationship. You're not your own. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the, live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. I in them, you in me. They may be perfected in unity that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved them. You see what he's saying in love? <laughs> We're saved and sealed to, be, to live a life holy and blameless in love. This world needs the love of God. So continue what you're doing for the love of the Lord. There's no boasting that should go on. Only boasting should be in the cross, what Paul said. <laughs> and that's what he said. I'll boast in nothing except Christ crucified. I don't think ever Paul, I don't think Paul ever forgot his former life. I don't think he ever forgot the stoning of Stephen. I don't think he ever forgot all the people he put to death as a hater of the Lord. I think grace totally changed his perspective, his heart, his mind, his want-tos, his mission in life. And some of you need that heart change because you're living your life day by day with struggles and cares, and you're living your life bent on what others say about you rather than what Jesus says you are. You belong to the king. You have kingdom authority against the devil against the principalities of this world. Satan has some authority, but not all. We'll be tempted and tried. We'll struggle. We'll struggle. We'll mess up. But praise the Lord, we have an advocate, an intercessor, the Lord Jesus. Some of you don't feel accepted, be honest, in closing. You don't feel accepted. In Christ, you are accepted as we think about the family of God, I'm accepted because of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for me. You are brought into the family. I shared in the early service, we had a glorious service. I'd love to sing that song, The Family of God, in just a minute. Because we're family. But some of you are not part of the family of God and you know it. You've got religion. You've got good deeds. You, you're, you're hinging on grandfather from years ago that loved the Lord. I'm glad your grandfather did, your dad. But that doesn't mean you're saved. You've got to make a conscious choice, decision to be a follower of Christ or not. And you're held accountable because you're hearing the gospel. So the Lord is, is convicting us of sin and you know right and wrong and you know the gospel and what it says. So you make that choice now to follow by faith, repenting of sin, turning from sinfulness and living for Christ. Would you do that today? Maybe you are a believer and you need to pray for lost people in your family, in your workplace, wherever you are. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you that we have worth, that we are worthy because you have paid the price for sin. And we know, Lord, the wages of sin is death. But by your glorious grace, 
you make us alive. Lord, thank you for knowing everything. You knew our name in the very beginning. You knew your church in the very beginning, before the foundation of the world. You desire all people to be saved, and so we share the gospel, trusting, praying for people to follow you now, whoever they are, wherever they are in this world. Because Scripture tells us, Lord, you love the world, and you desire all people to come to faith. May we as a church live in light of that. May we be desperate and hungry and eager to take your good news, your gospel, locally and globally to all of creation. That is our mandate. That is the great commission to go, to make disciples, to love the unlovable, to make everyone feel accepted because they're part of your family. And Lord, the gospel demands that we treat each other with love and respect because we're all on the same level ground, all deserving of hell. It's only by your grace that we are redeemed and alive. I pray for people to trust you now. I pray people would come follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the worship service of Lewisport Baptist Church. We hope you join in again next Sunday as we worship the Lord. And if you would like to check out uh, ministries and opportunities to serve the Lord on our website, just go to uh, lewisportbaptist.org. And again, this is Brother Dwayne. We're so glad you, you chose to listen today.